Hello, uh, you're joining us at Books and Booze for our inaugural episode with author Andres Bergen. We're kind of missing two hosts today, but we're going to make the best of it. Andres, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm really good, yeah. Thank you for having me on your inaugural show. I'm, I'm really flattered and honored and chuffed, so thank you very much. Well, and thank you very much for doing it. It seems like you're kind of uh, pioneering a lot of things right now. Cause your book's going to be the first book that's released by Perfect Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, coming up on October 26th. Um, surprisingly, the first book, I was a bit um, scared about that because, it, I mean, it's not that I'm scared of the publisher, but being the first book out through a publisher is a little bit intimidating. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about it. It's really cool. And we're, we're actually going to have Phil on in a few weeks, and so hopefully he'll, he'll do you a solid and promote your book again. <laughs> Oh, that, that's always nice. Yeah, yeah. Tell tell him thank you. I will pay him some pennies for for, for the the action. But Phil is a great guy. You're, you're going to love having him on because um you know I've chatted to him a few times and he's brilliant. Like really great guy. Really interesting ideas and yeah, great to work with. Before we we started the show, you and I were talking a little bit about the book and all, all three of us, even though there's only one of us on right now, read it and we we really loved it. Thank you. Taking, thank you very much. Taking the kind of highbrow humor and mixing it with the lowbrow, I think was all. All of us found that really good. It was ah, great! I'm, I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad you got that. <laughs> no, I appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, that's that's something that I love to do is like the whole mixing of the the lowbrow and the highbrow and taking the piss a little bit out of highbrow because you know sometimes you know people intellectualize too much and you know a sense of humor goes a long way, but you can still be serious and tell a story. I think even with a sense of humor, but hopefully it works. Well, I think I think the structure of the book kind of almost called for, called for that if, if the two characters had just been intellectualizing the whole time it maybe wouldn't yep. have been compelling but you start sort of mm. caring about them as you see them sort of making fun of each other and moving through this mystery that they're working yeah yeah i mean the funny thing is with the two characters is they they kind of developed i, I don't know their own volition when i was writing the book um i was writing it in bits and pieces on little pieces of paper on the train and um basically at work and um, then I'd come home and just like throw it on the computer and then I had all these separate standalone chapters which I had to tie together and, and I don't know somehow their relationship somehow developed out of that I don't even know how it happened but yeah I really like the relationship they have it's, it's kind of warm and fun but there's a deeper menace underneath it that you know slowly comes out in the book I think but yeah, I think the relationship between Walram and um, Kohana is the strength of the book for me. And I, I was surprised about that strength because it didn't come from me. I don't know where it came from. I think usually when you really fall in love with characters and when you really fall in love with the story, that's the answer that you get from the authors is that something just sort of happened that didn't feel like they did it. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I have, I have heard, you know, one or two writers say that before, and I, I was just like thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, it's, it's true. It's, it's really weird. Like, 
when I finished the book, I remember the morning I finished the book, it was 6 a.m., and I had to go to work in about one hour's time. I had no sleep. And I, I was desperately unhappy that I'd finished it because I knew that that was it for me and these two characters. And, yeah, I mean, when I finished Tobacco State Mountain Goat, I, I, that was a long journey for me. That was like you know, 10 years it took to finish that one. This one took only seven months. And um, I think I was a lot more unhappy when I finished this one because it, it meant more to me in some ways. And it, and it was a fast trip, comparatively. Yeah, yeah. Fast, fast, sweet, and suddenly over. <laughs> I think with Tobacco State Mountain Goat, because it was such a, you know, I, I kept reinventing it, kept rewriting it kept putting it away and it was a journey that was so long that by the end of it I was just grateful to finish it <laughs> with this one it was a, it was a lot quicker yeah yeah and well and, and the other thing well first I want to mention the name of the book because we've managed to not do that yet and that's 100 years of vicissitude and as you said that's going to be out October 26th through Perfect yep. Edge Book um, and the the other thing that we were talking about when we were having meetings uh, about this show was that this book is very visual. Um, it, yeah. it almost plays like a movie. When they do a scene change, I think part of it is because the main character is sort of taken aback by these scene changes at first, and you do just an amazing job of painting that scene and then leading everyone into it. And I think part of that magic might be that he doesn't really know what's going on, and so you're kind of drawn <laughs> into it and you see it more. Wow. I, I don't know wow, how wow. to say what I'm wow. saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> Thank you for, for well, that, I mean, that was a technique I, I tried to do, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work. Um, I was a little bit worried that people might think, eh, it's not really working, because there are some big jumps there, like there's one point where it's over a decade between scenes, and I was a little bit afraid that it was too much. Um, but if it, if it does work, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I, I think that... It is very visual for me because, you know, I, I, I am a movie person even more than I'm a book person. I love movies, and I was brought up in movies, and I'm a movie journalist. So um, for me, everything is how I look at it and how I, how I think it should look through a camera. So I think that probably comes out in the way I'm, I'm writing as well, more than likely. Well, in my opinion, it works very well. I mean, <laughs> and the, well, and, you know, it's funny because... It's definitely one of those books that I feel like you can't talk too much about what happens without giving away some of the things that will be really exciting for the reader to discover on yeah. their own. So you're, you're talking about the big jumps, and I'm thinking of one towards the end. I'm like, oh, can't say anything about that because I, I think when someone <laughs> gets there, they're going to be so excited to get there and not know. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, well, my wife actually, um, she loves to read the end of the book first. And I'm, I'm telling her she can't do that this time. <laughs> I think it's really important to go through the book first, yeah. Because I think the end would, would have very little meaning if, if you just picked up the book and read the last chapter. It wouldn't really mean anything. So, yeah, it's got to be the from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah, well, and, the, and there's something really cool about the way it started, too, because you're just alone with um, – I don't I'm blanking right now because it is early for me, but uh, Mr. Deets, <laughs> you're just alone with him and experiencing that loneliness, and then you start to see how important these other people that feature in the novel become. And mm. I think, you know, it, it was just because it's a take on, I think I can say this without giving anything away, it's a yep. take on the afterlife 
and, and it's a different take, I think, than we usually see or read anywhere. Yeah, I, I was really cautious about that because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the afterlife and, and all the books that have been done about heaven and hell and whatever, um, I, I'm not really Christian at all. I'm basically an atheist, and um, I, but, but I'd like to believe that there is somewhere that you go to just to sort out your rubbish. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, basically, for, I think in the first chapter you, you basically realize that he, this is probably where he is. I'm not going to say he definitely is, but, yeah, I, I hope it works. But um, it's yeah, he is a very sad man, and he's in a very sad place. But I think gradually he comes out of that, hopefully. <laughs> well, not, hopefully. Uh, I think, well, two things about that that, that really works for me. And this is maybe because this is one of my favorite things, but one of one of the things is that just so important that yeah. he connected with Kohana. If if that yeah. hadn't happened, then yeah, he would have continued to be a very sad man, you know. And so that yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. would have changed everything. And um, and the other thing is that you didn't really make any hard statements about what was going on and you sort of left that all up to the, even in the end you sort of leave it up to the reader to sort out like what's actually going on in this place and, and what the goal of this place is and what they're working toward because I mean they don't know what they're working toward until they get there you know yeah yeah exactly um, yeah, I think the openness of it and, and uh, I, I mean a, a lot of writers give you this information and, and sometimes it annoys me because it's not what I've been thinking throughout the reading of a book um I think audiences are, or readers are, are very intelligent people and they have their own ideas, their own opinions. And for me, I thought, well, you know, they, they can take from this what they want. What do they think this place is? And, um, you know, it's, it's up to the reader what they make of it. But, you know, I have a personal opinion of what it is, but I don't want to, in, like, inject that into the book and, and dictate what it is. And hopefully I'm not soapboxing too much right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think it was handled very well in the book, um, like, like right. giving enough information to create an idea in the reader's head about, about what is going on and what they're doing, but not so much that you sort of feel like you're being pounded over the head with an idea. <laughs> I, I do like pounding over the head, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it happens, you know. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of, I mean, I would think most of the time you read a book that's that's sort of about I guess this is sort of about the afterlife and it's maybe sort of about spirituality. And a lot of times when you read a book that has those themes in it, you can almost guess not just what religion that person is, but what sect, you know, is this person yeah, yeah. Christian, are they Mormon, oh, they must be Catholic. And I didn't feel like there was any of that in there. It really felt very personal by, Great. you know, maybe yeah. 50 or 60 pages in, you just sort of, you were there. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really, really glad to hear that because, yeah, I mean, that, that was important to me to try and um, achieve, and I wasn't too sure if, if it was, was achievable, but glad to hear it was. Because so. not, not so many people have read this book yet, and I'm still getting the feedback, you know, from people, so it's really great to hear this, so thank you. Well, it's pretty exciting to know that, that the three of us got to be some of the first. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're guinea pigs for me. <laughs> No, I really appreciate you guys reading it, really. It, it was great to hear. 
just because we're we're going to run out of time if we keep going the way we're going. Although this is great, um, you're also yep. working. You just finished working on an anthology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, an anthology called um, "The Tobacco Stained Sky." Um, basically, it's a mix of mediums. Like we've got um, a lot of short story writers plus some cartoon artists or comic book artists as well, and we're going to put the two together. And because I always thought that comic art and regular writing just work really well together and especially because it's very noir kind of post-apocalyptic right. stuff and yeah it's just come together really well i'm really happy yeah, i didn't notice that in 100 years of vicissitude that there were a few mentions of manga and even some mentions of marvel comics yeah yeah well I'm, i was a huge marvel comic fan when i was a kid and uh, actually my next novel i'm working on is a bit of a homage to Marvel comic superheroes in the 60s. Um, yeah, that's all very hush-hush at the moment, but, yeah, I, I, I got excited hopefully about more, it again hopefully. when I was doing <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully I mean, it's a, great, it's a great thing. You know, what Stan Lee and, and you know, Jack Kirby and people like that achieved in the 60s, I thought was amazing. I mean, I'm not so fond of it, Marvel stuff now at all, but in the 1960s it was, it was you know, mind-breaking stuff. I, I did notice that there was a very um, subtle that, – that is one opinion that came through in the book, that Marvel was better than DC. But I think most people are going to agree with that, so you're probably safe. <laughs> well, well um, I, I respect and appreciate DC, and I, I love Batman. I'm not the biggest fan of Superman, but uh, I loved The Flash when I was a kid. But overall, yeah, definitely Marvel for me, in the, especially in the 1960s. It was just, you know, it was – you know, basically steamrolled DC, and ever since it, ha- I think it's been superior. But you know, DC, kudos, they, they ha- they've done a lot of great stuff as well. But going going back to the anthology, because I kind of birdwalked that one. Um, <laughs> you were saying before we got, <laughs> sorry. Uh, if, believe me, the birdwalking would be worse if the other two hosts were here right now. Um, <laughs> but you were saying that this was sort of um, sort of fun and sort of exhausting. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, well. It was. I brought together like about. There's, God, there's about 15 writers and about seven comic artists. And um, yeah, we had I had to get them all together, get them to do the stories, and then uh, they, the deadline was 30th of June, which was two weeks ago. And then they've been rolling in over the last two weeks. So I've been like just formatting it, throwing it together, reading them, um, giving feedback. Then. I put it all together, and I sent the whole thing off to my publisher, uh, Another Sky Press, um, about two days ago. And they're going to then go through and um, edit and check everything again. Uh, but it looks really good so far. It's great. And, you know, we've got people like, you know, Josh Stallings and Gerard Brennan and Gordon Highland and Paul D. Brazil and blah, blah, so many other people who have done stories, and they're great. Well, that's exciting because actually we're going to have Gordon Highland, I think, either the week before or the week after we have Stallings. So uh, oh, it's like well, everything uh, is coming back to you. Well, he, he's a, Gordon is a great guy. Like he's he's a wonderful person. Like one of the, one of the things I've noticed that since I started working with all of these noir kind of um, crime writer people is that most of them are really nice and approachable and really cool. And yeah, Gordon's one of the. the really nice people who I've met and uh, I never actually met him but via the internet <laughs> um, right. we've had some great conversations and yeah he's, he's lovely well, he's, he's so talented too because he's actually going to be our author guest and our music guest on the same show so. oh cool yeah 
Great. Yeah, so we're I, well, and that makes it easy for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not it, well. He has got great taste in music too. So. <laughs> so what's funny is actually I want to mention this just just because it's amusing to me is that um, Jess is on on the line. I assume she has yes. it on mute because I just got a message on Facebook letting me know that her boss is in her office and she can't get rid of him. So oh my God, hopefully he thing. doesn't listen. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't <laughs> listen to this stuff. <laughs> She can just pretend she's on the phone. You know, it's, it's a client. <laughs> yeah, it's a client that we're, you know, we're just talking about the accounting behind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, books. He, he loves books. Yeah. yeah. He, he needs to buy a lot of books. <laughs> I tell you, I, we, we kind of decided, and this is nothing against you, but we're probably not going to do another interview with somebody in Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, that, that's totally cool. With, with the timing and the, the one-second time delay, which is, a, you know, absolute pleasure. <laughs> I, I totally understand. You know, the time difference is a killer. It's just, yeah, I, I get it. Thank, thank you for, for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> I'm just hoping that, that I do this as well by myself as we would have done with two other hosts to knock off of, you know. I don't know. It's kind of uh, we kind of knew this this first episode was going to be uh, the biggest clusterfuck. If you'll forgive yeah. my language, the, the, the solo, the solo it, really episode, it, shows, it shows your your talents, you know. This <laughs> is <laughs> and that's my um, that's my warning to everybody listening to this is that it can only get better because we'll we'll have better planning when we have people that are in one of the three time zones that the hosts are in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone will be awake and, and, and genki and, you know, yeah, it'll all be happening. <laughs> but so, this is happening for me. It's keeping me awake, so it's great. <laughs> well, there you go. It's it's a nice evening at home. Um, yeah, exactly. And it, Well, and, you know, and the other side of it, too, is, of course, we tend to do this show while we were all, like, kicking back with a drink, but um, it's not advised at 6.30 yeah. in the morning. From what I hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I live in an apartment that's 33 square meters with, you know, a six-year-old daughter and my wife, so I, I can't actually drink either at the moment. So, sadly, I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I don't want to just keep moving things along, but one thing yep. that we really wanted to talk to you about was this... Nova um, Parade. Nova Parade. Yes. Yeah, Nova Parade. Yes, Solicide. And, and great, great, great anthology. Um, I have, uh, to be honest, I haven't read all the stories yet, but I love Nathan Pettigrew and, and Martin Garrity, and um, they are great guys. When they um, said they were going to do this, I, I just jumped straight on and said, I want to do it as well. And they got a great lineup. It was just insane. And, um, yeah, kudos to them, really. I, I love what they've done. And, you know, there's, there's some great stories. I mean, the, the writers who I do know, you know, Caleb Ross and uh, Nathan and Martin, um, what Chris Lewis Carter's story is really interesting. Um, also, there's this new guy called Dakota Taylor. He's pretty interesting. <laughs> he's pretty interesting. When he gets out of bed, he's an amazingly interesting guy. Yeah. Well, he likes, he, had... likes sleep. he likes to sleep, I hear. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Maybe yeah, he writes he's... from his dreams. Well, yeah, he's kind of conjuring up new short stories. That's why, you know, you have to, you know, put up with his silence at the moment. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, also Jessica Taylor, our other host, yeah. is featured in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that the talent in this is pretty amazing and, and um, a lot of really nice people. Uh, you, yeah. 
thank you, thank you, thank you. We mentioned Phil, Phil Jordan, yes. uh, Richard Thomas, and, and yes. that's off the top of my head. And it's it's fun. I've I've read a few. I haven't gotten through the whole thing either. But they're all relative. They're all pretty different, but all very yep. good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the diversity is really interesting, too. I mean, it's not just one particular style. It's all over the place. And that, that's what I'm looking for personally. I mean, I get bored by, you know, reading the same style, listening to the same style of music. I, I get bored. It's really important to, like, have, you know, different options. And I, I love the way they've just thrown together this hodgepodge of different ideas, different authors, different, you know, genres. And it, it works, I think. You know, it, it, if it's done properly like they've done, it, it can work really well. And just to reiterate, it is free. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's... wants to check it out, that's com, and it's free. So and that, you can't get better than that as a reader. It's fun to get a, a free book every now and then to spend some time with because it, it can be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, I think that's a great thing that they did too. You know, they insisted that it would be free, and I, I, I think all the writers were, were – hip with that they're like yeah cool this is great because I mean it's a great opportunity for us it's good promotion but also it's a good vibe you know it's karma you know you give something out for free hopefully you know you get something back for free (laughs) I mean I I love that idea so I mean I do that with music a lot too I mean I do music as well and um, yeah we we give a lot of stuff out for free because I just want to get it out there you know people listen to it or, or read it in this case and um, also, it gave me a chance personally to do to, to a silly story that I was just messing around with, and you know, probably I might not have released that story, or I might have tweaked it into something different. But they said just do something silly and fun, and, and it was great, great fun. So to I remember you saying um, that it was not your normal writing style. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of nice sometimes. I, um, I think. As much as, as readers like to read a lot of different things, sometimes writers like to write a little differently just to see yep. how it feels, you know. And yeah, exactly. You know, but yeah. I mean, there's it, <laughs> nothing worse than getting typecast, you know, in, 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 as an artist or a musician or whatever, because once you're stuck in a certain genre, it's really difficult and boring. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, when I was making music, um, I got stuck in the techno genre, and it was driving me bananas. So I just got, like, about 20 different aliases and started making experimental and hip-hop and other stuff just to break out of that. And so I think, yeah, with writing, it's the same. You just want to you know, mess around a bit and have fun. And I, I think that's what um, Nathan and Martin were really encouraging about to everybody. Uh, just let your hair down and do something a bit more fun and different and you know it could be scary it could be whatever but you know stretch yourself a bit which is great yeah and and like I said you know I, it's funny I was talking to a friend a while back about sometimes when novelists decide that they've done the same thing for too long and they they're going to do something different a lot of the time it's really obvious that that's what they're doing even if it's the first novel <laughs> you can so long as a writer developing a voice and developing a style and then they're like well I've been doing that my entire life I'm going to try something new but the short story I guess gives you a little bit more leeway <laughs> you don't have yeah 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 I, th- I think a novel would be a lot harder to do that that's for sure yeah because yeah sustaining that, <laughs> that kind of alien voice for yeah 50 60,000 words you'd probably go insane um, but I, I've been 
I've been thinking, I mean, I've, both my novels so far have been first person. Um, I've been thinking about doing a third person novel for the next one, but I don't know if I'm comfortable doing that. Um, I've got to think about it, but at least with, I'm doing it with a couple of short stories now. And, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting exercise. But Well, we've actually gone over. But it's been great. So, you know, we'll just cut something else later. Um, yep. <laughs> but I, I definitely you made me waffling to, again. Yeah. I definitely wanted to uh, thank you for joining us and thank you for putting up with all the crazy mismanagement that happened here in the beginning. Um, well, Renee, it's, it's been absolutely fun just chatting to you. I'm, I'm glad the others weren't there because we could just talk. There you go. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when there's like three people, it gets really distracting, and um, I think just one-on-one was really fun. Well, my, my winning personality saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely, exactly. That, that's that's what you can put on your resume. <laughs> it, that's exactly. I'm going to do that right now, actually. Um, <laughs> Andre said again, I have a winning personality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone say, who the hell is Andre? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, thanks for staying up late for us. And um, also, just again, that's uh, yep. Stain Mountain Goat is available on Amazon, correct? Yep, that's right, yep. All right. And, and actually, you can get the free the free PDF of people. I mean, you can buy the paperback, but there's a free PDF on the uh, website of Another Sky Press, and people oh. can go there and, and download it if they want for free. So that's cool. always nice. Yeah, it's, it's, we like telling we, people about free stuff. They'll tune in. Yeah, well, I think, I think again, again, I think it's you know important that if people can get stuff for free and, and they like it, well, fine. And if they want to buy the paperback, it's only five bucks from the from the um, publisher, so they can do that too if they want. But their choice. That's wonderful. And um, again, first book from Perfect Edge Press is going to be 100 Years of Vicissitude, which is the book we spent a fair amount of time discussing. And I can vouch for its awesomeness, and I can also speak for Jessica and Dakota, that they really loved it, even though they couldn't be on the call Great. today. Um, well, Renee, thank, thank you for waking up early and, and, and chatting to me. It was really fun. It, it was great. and um, Congratulations on the show. It, it's great that, that you're doing it. Well, thank you. We ha- we've gotten a really great response, so we're hoping that we'll be able to keep up the tempo that we have planned for the next six weeks. So tell your oh, friends. With, you know, with, with guests like Gordon and, and, and uh, Phil, I'm sure you do really well. <laughs> and just again, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me, as it were. No worries, mate. And um, keep us updated on, um, on your upcoming projects, and we'll make sure everyone knows about them. All right, you were just listening to a little bit of music from Daybreak Ends, and they'll be joining us shortly. Uh, we have all of our hosts back and ready to go, so we're going to kick this off um, with a movie review from Dakota. Hi, guys. Sorry there was no Wi-Fi in the rehab that I was staying at. 
But I'm going to start you guys off with a movie review of Drive, which is based on the novel by James Salas, which is really great. But um, we're talking about movies, not books. I don't know what kind of podcast you think this is, but directed by Nicholas Vending Reffin. Reffin and Gosling, they make a really great team because they both have an understanding of the two most important elements that make up film. And that's business and art. I got to interrupt you, and this is why. Because I felt one of the things I didn't like about the movie, and you can rail me on this if you want to, if you feel so inclined, is that I felt like it was almost a little too artsy for as gritty as the story was. I think it's part beauty and part very violent. And I think that's kind of the theme that he likes to inject into his movies. But I, well, I think it's kind of an acquired taste. Yeah. I, well, I can see that. I mean, I just, to me, I'm, and I feel like that juxtaposition often works really well in books, but I, I wasn't sure that I felt it in the movie, if that makes sense. I liked the movie, but it was just sort of like, mm, am I watching an art house movie or am I watching a movie about, like, a girl getting her head blown off with a shotgun. Like, which one? Well, I think that was all part of the adaptation, how they followed the adaptation so closely. And that might have been one of his downfalls there. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> another thing, while we're kind of uh, reviewing the movie here, <laughs> is, which I don't think was completely bad, that he does that style with the artsy and very violent, but I think some of the cast that he put in here, um, Christina Hendricks, Brian Cranston, Albert Brooks, um, they probably didn't have much reason for casting them other than, well, Christina Hendricks is pretty good eye candy, if I must say so right. myself. But a lot of the characters were kind of background and secondary, and I think he kind of cast Brian Cranston just to have him in the movie, which I can't argue with, would definitely be my Well, I always love seeing Ron Perlman in movies. That was fun for me. Like, I, I watched the first season of Sons of Anarchy just because Ron Perlman was in it. So I, I liked that he had his whole role in that movie as well. I, I still think of him as the crazy cop in the adaptation of Desperation. So I don't know. That, I could just, all I could think was Anarchy. Hellboy when I seen him. And then uh, yeah, weird. yeah. That's <laughs> true. Play that or, kind of role. I think of him as Colleen Tragan, the cop, and you think of him as Hellboy. So I can okay, I can see that he plays some really memorable roles, which isn't always a good thing for for actors. But I, I liked him. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think Albert Brooks did really awesome because I haven't, I can't really recall any other movies that he's been in that I've seen right offhand, but he. He really takes every scene, and just his he, he presence does. on the screen is so amazing because it's just so felt, aggressive and overpowering. I felt surprised because Albert Brooks in the movies I've seen him in plays a completely different kind of character. He plays like a kind of passive, comedic character. Like, not I, I don't think I've ever seen him in something serious, let alone being the guy that's like in charge. Like, I'm going to come in and fucking handle shit like that's not something that I've ever seen him do so I will give credit there he was amazing in that movie I think a lot of what makes Drive good is 
the storytelling through the cinematography because um, Refn makes a lot of things like lights and colors and the soundtrack, which I thought was a bit strange but was pretty spot on. I don't know. They really worked with his camera angles and the sky view wide shots of L.A. and then it always cutting to these medium close-ups of the driver. And it it really kind of, I don't know, it really told a story in itself with just the production value of it. And I think that's the thing that you really don't see in a lot of movies. And actually, that was something I was going to say when you started. I was saying, like, we're juxtaposition of of really artsy stuff and really violent stuff, but I did feel like the, the lighting and the coloring that they used, whatever filter they used. I mean, I'm not a cinematographer, but it looked really good. And it managed to, to change just enough in different scenes that you kind of like, it kind of set the mood for each scene. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I kind of thought it was going to be some kind of 80s-based movie when I when it first started opening up with the neon and, I don't know, the 80s music itself kind of threw me off there. Kind of a Vice <laughs> City feel there. But, yeah, great cast uh, starring Ryan Gosling. And, but let me just let me just interject here. How how hot is Ryan Gosling? I mean, I'm right. I'm straight, you know. But gosh, you know, if I Thanks ran into Ryan Gosling and he told me to take my pants off, I just I would have no choice. You know? <laughs> and I well, and you know, our female listeners are going to agree with you. I think. I mean, he's a pretty huge phenomenon right now. I think it's like Ryan Gosling and Channing, Channing Tatum are the two guys that Channing everybody Tatum wants. Tatum looks stupid in the face. I, I don't, I don't personally go crazy for either one of them. I feel like there's a lot of good-looking men in Hollywood. That's kind of thing, right? If you're well, yeah. After you have to look good, but you can't deny that. Like every time you go online, there's another meme about Channing Tatum, Magic Mike. There's another Hey Girl with Ryan Gosling in it. I, I saw one earlier today that was like, Hey Girl, how sturdy do you think that sewing table is? And I was like, that's wow, pretty dirty, right? <laughs> and what if there's a needle on the table? I really so love the, the Hey Girl ones that are about knitting and all that. Those crack me up every time. Like, can I give you a hand massage? Because you've been knitting for hours. I'm like, huh. Yeah, exactly. See, he just, he looks like he has soft hands. So they just kind of, I don't know, you know, all those Hollywood types are always in the spas. So, you know, it all makes sense to me now. But yeah, he definitely. I'm, I'm they put on this say, bulky image, but, you know, the, these little manicured fingernails. and That's what I was going to say. You know, he keeps his fingernails manicured. <laughs> he, they probably smell nice. I don't know. He he probably. You think his nice. hands smell specifically? His hands smell nice. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> I wasn't leading <laughs> like towards he uses, that. Like he like hair blossom, hand lotion between scenes. Yeah, like he his bathroom has more beauty products in it than yours. I would say. Yeah. You don't know what my bathroom looks like. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, I, but you yeah. might be right because I don't have the disposable income that Ryan Gosling has. His hands are probably softer than mine, which is kind of sad. But I live in the desert, so. I don't know. I'm going to write him some fan mail, though, just, I don't know, just to the stalker level, just to see his beauty tips. Like, I, don't, like, I think he kind of goes Patrick Bateman with it. Uh, I, I don't think so. Well, maybe. You know, you don't know. You don't know that about him. Yeah, you don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that he might. 
maybe his goal was like, I'm going to be in a few movies and I'm going to make the women of America go crazy for me. And that's what I'm going to build my career and my fortune on. And so he's I'm going to go ahead and say that he might. That was a leap. That was a leap. But <laughs> moving on from Ryan Gosling's soft, beautiful, that's the only part I know about. Pain. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, James Ellis's newest book, which is the sequel to Drive, um, Driven, I read it a few weeks ago, which is equally excellent. And there's Are they going to make a movie of, about it? Oh. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm pretty sure Ryan Gosling's going to reprise his role, but we're not sure if we're going to have the same cast uh well yeah pretty much all the cast died in the first one but we're not sure if we'll have the same director on for it spoiler alert that's good i I love that you called her out on spoiler and you're like oh yeah but everybody in the movie dies except for the guy that's all right well for everyone like me who has not seen that movie yeah, I figure if you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not going to watch it. So I'm going to. It's on Netflix. Movies that don't have a second life on Netflix. Now people can Quentin Tarantino it. They got the story, and now they have to figure out how they die. See, <laughs> what is talking oh. to Andres about that? You can't always know the end first. Sometimes that takes something away. Um, that said, we are running really close to our time right now. So I don't mean to cut you off because I know how much you love discussing Brian Gosling's beautiful soft hands. But, um, oh, they're glowing. Yeah. He also has really dainty wrists. Watch Drive. Pick up the book by James Salas. It's equally amazing, if not better. Um, I've, I'm even saving up for a pair of those awesome brown leather driving gloves. Segwaying from telling everyone to buy the books, Jessica's going to lead us in a conversation about why your (laughs) e-reader might actually be sentient and trying to um, ruin literature. That might be my opinion. Your your e-reader, the exciting thing about that now, and I was going to say like e-books are the future. E-books are not the future, they're the present. That's, That's what we've got going on. And uh, with the e-reader, they now, they can get a lot of information about what you're reading, but also how you're reading it. Uh, They can see when you're highlighting. Oh, I read read mine on the toilet, so I don't, that's not (laughs) a issue. So hopefully there's not a hidden camera. Yeah, this 1984. It depends on which version you have as to whether or not they know that. Uh, you know, some of the stuff is obvious. Like if you bought the first Hunger Games book, you probably immediately bought the second one. Probably. But now they can tell for sure when you bought it, how fast it took you to read the first book, uh, if there was a point where you put down that book or whatever. And yeah, that's uh, why I think what, I have a problem with that. Why? Because what if you are reading it on the shitter? When you're done ha- having your shit, you put the book down. It doesn't, you know? Well, I, I think it's like an average. But they're saying, like, they can pinpoint – uh, when when somebody averagely gets bored with the book and maybe they shut it forever. So one of the things they've been talking about, and this doesn't have to be necessarily literature. Some of it's nonfiction, textbooks, whatever. But they're saying um, they're going to start putting maybe multimedia stuff in there. Like on page 130, everybody tunes out. So let's put a video of a singing cat in. I made that up. But, you know, something, like if if you're reading your biology textbook, maybe we'll put a beluga whale song in there 
at that point well, and be see, interested I think isn't to keep you hooked. iBooks, has, Apple's textbook program, iBooks, mm-hmm. was already talking about doing things. Like, they were, I mean, not singing cats or beluga whales per se, but using video to um, keep you engaged. So they're talking. Right. Well, no, but like they're talking about, you know, cell division or whatever, and there'll be like a video of that actually happening. And I can see the merit in textbooks, especially because we're moving. uh, I've been reading too, like a lot of huge universities, uh, MIT, Stanford, and a couple others are doing distance learning programs that universities of that size wouldn't normally do. And we're not talking about a mix between um, going in the classroom and being online, but full classes that you'd be taking from MIT online. So I can oh, sure. see the benefit of that in a textbook. And we're talking about, you know. You know what is coming, get... though. You know what this is going to bring. The next step, advertising. Right. You're going to be reading The Great Gatsby, and on page 130, it's going to be car insurance, <laughs> Cujo, pedigree. That is, yeah, that's no, what's going to be the future. They're going to market to you through your book. And I'm we found right out. Now. Through this, uh, we found out about this through the Wall Street Journal, and it said it said something about you know wanting to make better make make the authors write better books, which that's really terrifying to me. That was uh, yeah, that was the guy from Barnes and Noble. Uh, Jim Jim Hilt was the guy. He had to quote, uh, "If we can help authors create even better books than they create today, then it's a win for everybody." What what does that mean? Yeah, you know? I think there's kind of a double-sided blade there because I don't know maybe um, Stieg Larson could kind of take a hint that everybody stopped reading after chapter thirty and he's dead with the dragon tattoo <laughs> after we. He's not going to take yeah, anything away him. from this. But not I think. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, that's on. one thing. Some authors have said, you know, oh, I'd like to know who specifically is buying my book, who is my demographic, which I think as an author you should probably know that. But whatever, some people want that. Um, one of the risks is that it can really sort of hinder the creative process that creates great literature, That those risks exactly. that you would take exactly. normally. It's like, good. oh, well, I need You're to follow a formula writer. now. Right. Yeah. If you are already a formulator, if you're a John Grisham or a Nora Roberts or, you know, a Dan Brown, people love you for your predictability and the fact that you're willing to give them exactly what they want when they want it. So by all means, collect all the data you want. If, you know, if you're a Eugendis or, you know, some of the authors that we're talking to, I mean, could you imagine, we were talking to Andre this morning, could you imagine that book written to the common denominator? Exactly. I guarantee you everybody, is gonna, everybody who picks that book up is going to love it. But if he went and like studied a bunch of data on what people wanted to read, that is not the book that would have come out at all. Well, and if you think, yeah, if you think about the data about some of the great literature that's been produced throughout the years and the centuries would not be here if we were thinking, oh, we have to follow this formula, we have to stick to this, then those huge risks that people have come out with in books just wouldn't have happened. I don't think uh, yeah. House of Leaves would be here today if people were like, uh, nobody's going to want to read that shit upside down well, and backwards. You know, one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, with what's happening to the publishing industry and, and why the publishing industry is struggling a little bit and why a lot of authors are struggling is because they only, they're, they're kind of taking a Hollywood approach. They only want to publish the shit that's going to sell. 
And so I feel like having this data and trying to to get authors to pay attention to this data like that is is only going to compound that problem. You're going to have shelves full of shit that should be bestsellers, and you're going to have a lot of amazing stuff that isn't going to get a second look because it doesn't follow the statistics. But we'll just like it always break out. Go ahead. Hollywood, now we've got the epidemic of the remake happening, and that's what they're trying to turn our books into. Well, this book sold. Let's remake it in a new package. That's not what your readers want. <laughs> well, I can just only hope that, uh, you know, indie authors won't follow the same example. I mean, it seems it's kind of, you know, well, I don't with think the, they like will. the music industry. I don't think they will, but I think that, that that will hurt those authors because, you know what, I would love nothing more than to see those indie authors have bestsellers. I would love, I tell everybody I know about the indie authors I love, I have like, tell them to borrow the book. I tell them where they can, you know, go get it on Amazon, whatever. You know, I want those guys to see as much success as they can get. But if a large publishing house isn't going to look at them until they've managed to sell some outrageous number of books through a small press, which, you know, it's hard to do that with a small press, then you're just going to, again, you're just going to see like you're sifting through 500 pages of shit on Amazon because, a computer said that people get bored with this or people really like well, this. The and numbers the publishing side of it. Wants to publish that. That's yeah, the business then, side of it. And, and there's always been that, I guess, to an extent. The publishing house has to look at the numbers. They have to look at the business. But this is just giving them a different way to look at the data and is it necessarily the correct way to look at it. That's a yeah, I kind of liked that? it better when people didn't want to read books and <laughs> instead of having the – publishers trying to get people to read them and you know yeah it just doesn't it doesn't make that much sense to apply a math equation to a literature problem you wouldn't come at an algebra problem and with a sonnet yeah and i think that's kind of what the publishers (laughs) that was beautiful renee were trying to do (laughs) fight algebra with poetry i'm looking at all this data about books so i can find the uh, dan brown formula Crack the true Da Vinci Code, write that book. The, the actual one. Well, we know yeah. from movies you've got to have Tom Hanks taking a piss, and Tom Hanks was in the Da Vinci Code, so I'm Well, I'm I just have to write an, a middle-aged everyman taking a piss and then sell that script, and it will be Tom Hanks. When we end the show tonight, I get you on a separate call, and we're going to – we're going to write a collaborative novel about the middle-aged everyman taking a piss. Literally, not figuratively. I just have we'll to say, him, it is a fictitious Tom Hanks. We're going to name him Tim... Uh, you wanted to say Wank, because I heard you try and say it. Tim, well, Hank is short for Henry, right? So it's Tim Williams. Tom Hanks, Tim Williams. Or, fuck me, Tim Henry? Wow. <laughs> Tom Hanks. I'm going with you on that one because obviously I said that the last name I was going for was Henry and then said Williams. And um, that said, we are we are running over time. All right, so we were just listening to a little day break-ins, and we're here with Josh and Johnny from the band, 
and uh, we promised them that we're going to make a little magic happen. So how are you guys doing tonight? I'm still for waiting magic. for the magic. Yeah, bring all the magic, please. Okay. Um, so what was that you were saying, Dakota, about pulling a rabbit out of your ass? Oh, well, you know, my best magic trick to date. It's very painful, and PETA is actually writing me letters about it. But, you know, the people wanted magic, so I brought it to him. Yeah, Chris Angel is totally jealous. So. <laughs> He's done. He's done. Can't pull a rabbit out of your ass, you're done. Um, so, the so daybreak ends we've been discussing is uh, post-hardcore. I had the pleasure of seeing you guys a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to say it was great. I was pretty drunk. That's the best way to see us, actually. That's the only way. True. Well, we encourage our listeners to, to drink, because we're better. We're much better when our listeners are drunk. Exactly. I'm actually drunk right now. Me well, too. Great. What are you we're drinking, going- Josh? Uh, I got some Captain Morgan and Coke Zero. Holy fuck, that's what I'm drinking. Only I'm drinking real Coke because I'm not a sissy, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but See, I've caught on to the, uh, the Los Angeles calorie counting deal. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I'm not from the, I'm right. from Kentucky. We don't do that here. Yeah, he, he's in L.A. And, it, yeah, you know, it just is what it is. I feel like I feel like yeah. we're soulmates now though because we have the same drink tonight. <laughs> I can I can always do Captain and Coke. I, I actually I do a really good drink called shit. What is it called? It's called a Davy Jones. You do a third Dr Pepper, a third Rockstar, and a third uh, Captain Morgan or Sailor Jerry. I prefer Sailor Jerry. Sailor Jerry. So have you guys yeah. ever had um, Sailor Jerry and iced tea? And it's uh, a third unsweetened iced tea, third. Sweet lemonade and a third Sailor Jerry. Sounds like a drunk Donald Trump. It tastes so good. I went. I had. I don't know how many of those when I was at um, Fuck Yeah Festival last summer, and I could barely walk across the festival grounds to get to the one band I wanted to see. It was amazing. Did you throw up? I didn't. Mm, that's, that's, that's something special. I reserved just for um, just for Josh and and his bands. I only throw up after their shows. I throw up every time we play. <laughs> there you go. Drunk or sober. Before and after. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's not because I drink. <laughs> <laughs> he has to keep that's, his figure, you know. That's why. Yes, that's why. If I'm not drinking right. zero, I do have to throw up. If I'm drinking regular Coke, i got to get those calories out of me soon. Otherwise, they go straight to my thighs. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter if the singing. Yeah, it doesn't matter if your singing is shitty that night. But as long as your thighs and ass look good on stage, that's all that matters. I mean, that's all the music. Well, he's like, so you guys have a new album out available on iTunes. Uh, Second chance to fail. That is correct. Amazing. What it's called. And and do you guys want to just take a moment to tell everybody all the reasons they should buy it, or are you just gonna let the music speak for itself? For starters, this this album. Okay, it's a full length album. So when you get it, you got ten songs. Um, this album took us three years to write and record, um, and I really feel like we, like as a, as a band, really put everything that we have to date into this record. Um, this is the first full length that we've recorded as a band as us four. 
Um, we also have the EP, Self Unseen, um, before this, and then we also have a full length from before I even joined the band. So, um, but don't mind that one. No. <laughs> we, we always have that one with us, so all you got to do is find one of us, and we'll just we'll pull that CD out of our ass and give it to somebody. <laughs> I, Dakota, can you do that? Can you pull CDs out of your ass, or is it just rabbits? Oh, I've tried. Just, just come CD down. CDs sharp edges. Remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. There's sharp edges on CDs. Rabbits are at least fluffy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rabbits, they, you know, they it's it's a two way thing. They want to get out, so you know, pigeons. <laughs> They're working with difficult. you on that trick. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes the pigeons they'll you know break a wing or something or the or their. Um, you know, their beaks. And that's just depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we've moved into, like, horrible animal cruelty acts. There is nothing worse. There's no way to kill a show faster. So what's the uh, what's what's the lowdown on the groupies? Is it is the tour bus just always full? Just you say it. You want to say Brett Michaels. go on. Yeah, are you making Brett Michaels jealous? You know, are you swimming in tune? That, well, that depends on if you mean now or three years ago, because now the tour bus is either um, at a scrapyard or belongs to a landscaper named Juan, because we don't have that anymore. <laughs> In which case, yes, is the answer to your question. Well, to, to be fair, the show that I saw them at, um, the place we were at is also a fetish club, so there were a lot of Mostly naked women running around. All the money was blown on heroin. Most of it. And these perks, well, of course, oh, came to the, the show, rock star. Got a balance. A lot of Dakota's money tired of authoring. He wants to look into his other options. Yeah, because I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't sign up to be a musician unless it came with, you know, dirty groupies and intravenous drug use. I mean, or else what's the point? Johnny's got some good groupie stories from a few years ago, actually. Oh, I God. I think Johnny can us with one or two of those. Come on. Well, I did get a Mormon girl pregnant in Vegas once. Oh, shit. <laughs> and that's a true story. Like, you really but only once. That, that is right. true. Only once. Only once. Um, well, like it happens all the time. This is the second time Mormons have come up on the show today. So I feel like we just lost a demographic. But then we have booze in the title of our show, so we're probably safe. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, booze. <laughs> yeah, and Eight Wives and Salt Lake City. And, and now we're getting into that weird place, right, where we're sort of making fun. <laughs> no, okay. That's why I stopped. I stopped all of the head. Continue, Johnny. We're going to get hate mail now. So, but that'll be cool. I've never gotten hate. Oh, that's how, yeah, that's how you know you've made it. Well, not from anybody I, you know. Yeah. We don't want to get into that on the show. We don't want to get into the hate mail thing on the show. Send all of your hate mail to Renee Pickup Asher. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer. He doesn't even fucking know my name. He's just like. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's not her name, but whatever. (laughs) Williams. Yeah, that's my last name. Because Hank is short for Henry, so Williams is my last name. There you go. Um, <laughs> see, and what I like about you guys is is you played right into that, and you weren't here for the last segment where I had that huge clusterfuck where that was funny. So you guys are welcome back anytime. 
You've got shows got coming show up, right? Up. We do. We got one. We got another show coming up at Bar Sinister in Hollywood, California. They uh, requested us back immediately after our show the first time. So we initially said no because, um, well, personal reasons with Johnny and Vegas and uh, getting Mormon girl pregnant. Mormon girl. But then we yeah. out with that sort of thing. <laughs> But I don't. I mean, I don't feel like Far Sinister is the kind of place that's going to have a problem with that. <laughs> I mean, I've only been there once. But we didn't give them all the details. All they heard was Johnny, Johnny, and Mormon, and they were like, "Whoa." Exactly. <laughs> all they heard was Johnny, and they were like, "No." Okay, I, I have a question though, and this is, I noticed on the promotional posters, you guys were all wearing the bunny masks, right? And then when I saw you guys live, only your front man is wearing the bunny mask, and I just have to know. What's up with the bunny mask? What's up with really? the bunnies? What's up with the bunnies in this segment? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it all, it's all coming back around to the bunnies. The rabbit mask thing was, uh, it was something that we randomly came up with at, at a rehearsal a few months ago, and then we just we just decided to kind of take the ball and run with it. Um, we all had bunny masks, and we actually played a few shows where we all were wearing rabbit masks, but... Uh, all it takes is one show to realize that it's incredibly hard and fatiguing to play with a rabbit mask on. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to have to admit, I was a little disappointed to see the poster and then there was only one bunny mask on stage. But, you know, I guess you you care about the art, right? You guys aren't Marilyn Manson. It's about the art. Well, that's not. <laughs> no. Um, I, I noticed there's a distinct lack of members of the band. <laughs> yeah, I think we're short about 86 people. Right. So you've got that working against you, but I think yeah. you pulled it off. That's just the so, drum section. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really liked the uh, cover art for the new album. It was pretty you know, kind of gruesome there, and I think that was pretty brave to go in that direction there. Uh, I don't know, what was the, who came up with that idea? You know, the cut-up girl, all that. I think that was mostly, uh, Greg met, um, he met an artist online um, and asked her to do it, but he just he just kind of gave her the basic idea of what we wanted to go with, and she just did it, and that's what we got back, and we were all happy with it, and we kind of got well, lost. She said it was a rough draft, and we actually asked her to turn around and make it darker. Greg saw, like, a, a, a previous sketch before it was done, and he she asked her to make it, like, even darker than what it was. And I think the moral of the story here, though, is that when you meet people online, it often ends with a girl being cut up. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Especially if you meet him on Craig Rabbit. This is Craigslist. Yeah. And is now okay. And I'm going to bring it back to the bunnies. Is she holding a dead bunny or a dead lamb? I think I see it here. It's a bunny. All right. So it really, there really is like a bunny theme running through this whole second, second half of the show. Which is good. Bunny abuse. That's all this has been about. I, I love bunnies. I don't even know I, why Who doesn't love bunnies? So we can have like not love bunnies. Helmer Fudd. Hello. He hates them. Well, no, he loves them. He wants to eat them. So he loves them just in a different way. Right. Um, right. Just, 
if anybody listening Just like wants Dakota loves them, but in a different way. <laughs> right, yeah, in his butt. <laughs> Thanks, I didn't want that to be subtle at all. <laughs> it's good. It's taking an old good. trick and making it new. I'm trying to promote your guys' website right now. So. Oh, and all we're doing is promoting rabbit abuse. Right. <laughs> PETA is going to send hate mail. They have like so a, visit us at www.rabbitabuse.com. <laughs> I was wondering, <laughs> what is this website? Great, the Dave Rigan site. Yeah, tweet us at hashtag rabbit abuse. <laughs> Even if it's hate mail from PETA, I'd be I'd feel pretty honored. I don't know. I would. I would because I hate them. I hate. I love animals, but I hate them. But that's you know maybe that's for a different show. If people want to see this cover art that we're talking about, they can go to daybreakends.com and they will see the cover art. Uh, and it, I think you know it's dark and it's gruesome, but it's actually really beautiful. Um, is somebody getting into a car? What was that? That was me. <laughs> You're leaving. Okay. Physically no, leaving. No. no, I went um, out and actually a copy of the CD so I can give you the artist's name. Oh well, that's oh, good. that was really that's, nice. That's good planning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If you go to daybreakins.com and you see the cover art, you click on that cover art, and then will take and it will take you to the Daybreak and Facebook page where you can hear some music and you can find the link. Can you find the link to buy the album, or you just got to go to iTunes and search? Because oh, no, all the links are like on things there. easy. All right, so all the links oh. are on there. I've researched this very well. I want you to know. Um, <laughs> all the links are on crazy. there. Is your bio is from like a a forensic specialist who's telling a story about showing up at a crime scene and hearing your album play on the stereo of the victim. It was a car crash. <laughs> it, it's in, it's very interesting. Uh, another bold choice, but if nothing else, I think people should go to the Daybreak Ends uh, Facebook and read that bio because that's that's pretty gruesome, pretty cool. Story and hey, it captures something about the band. Although now we've moved on from uh, rabbit abuse to dead people, so I don't know. I guess it depends on your morals. Yeah, and turn your speakers all the way up so it can just, you know, you can get the full effect and you'll have eargasms and it'll Eargasm. just melt your brain. Yeah, it'll make you a better person when you listen to it, and it'll make you actually want to go out and cut little baby rabbits' throats. And if the uh, cover art doesn't inspire you, the music will. Yeah. We want the bu- the bunnies need to live. <laughs> we only want to figuratively, yeah. figuratively. We only want to figuratively bunnies. hurt the bunnies. Right. <laughs> In life, we want them to frolic. There's too Wait, many of there's too many of the damn things. I, I don't think bunnies frolic. They hop. Is the band still here? There's a creative license. <laughs> Okay, the, the artist's name is Quinn Larson. And Wait, Larson? what? Quinn Larson. Quinn, Quinn Larson. Larson. I thought he said Stieg at first. Quinn, Larson, Quinn Larson. Who is, in fact, dead. You know, just it's been magical. It has. I think we followed through on our promise to bring magic. I mean, you can argue if you want, but I, I'm pretty confident. We won't listen, so, yeah. 
We bring shame and false hope, but most importantly, sometimes magic. We bring hate mail from the Mormons and PETA. So you guys have a a show that's coming up at the Viper Room in L.A., is that right? The Viper Room is in July. In July. Well, this is July. The 23rd, right? I thought this was October. No, we're not airing airing the show in October. Um, It's just (laughs) that we were promoting also comes out in October. We were were saying it's okay to promote. Our pre-show prep really fucked that up. Part of the magic is confusion, okay? It's okay. Uh, misdirection, all right? Yeah, we, we have a show on July 23rd at the Viper Room. And can people buy those tickets in advance, or is it at the door? Uh, it's all at the door. The tickets are all sold at the door. Um, a lot of times uh, people will go to our Facebook, uh, like us, and just hit us up. A lot of times we get um, kind of an overabundance of uh, door list spots that we like to give out to people that ask. So like us on Facebook. Give us a good reason to uh, let you in for free. And you want to pay that cover. Oh, that's you know, awesome. That's great. Because that's another thing that's come up in the show today. We've promoted like two or three other free things. And I think that's going to be what we do. Is we're just going to, people are going to tune in because they're going to be like, they always tell me where to get something for nothing. Well, you can't do any better than free, to be honest. Right. You can't. Free is always good. Because this is America. It's America with a U. America. America. <laughs> Lame the free. <laughs> July, after all. So like every other segment uh, today, we've gone over. Um, and that's fine because oh. I decided that we don't give a shit. And I <laughs> think that Dakota and Jessica agree. So fuck it, right? Agreed. But what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to say goodnight, and we are going to listen to another song. Uh, we're going to listen to a full song from Daybreak End, and then hopefully thousands of people are going to listen to this podcast and buy the album. That's not a guarantee. That's not an oral agreement. That's our wish for the future. Right. That's the fine print. you got to read. That's not what's going to actually happen. That's just in your mind where you're figurative figuratively abusing bunnies, you're going to sell thousands of albums. Figuratively, yeah. Don't don't go out and hurt bunnies. <laughs> Be nice. So, I mean, don't get a mortgage. Ahead. True. Don't get married. Don't go to Vegas. Yeah. Right. <sighs> well, you can. So, just be careful what you wish for. Just be aware that what happens in Vegas is not always going to just stay in Vegas. <laughs> it might end up on a podcast. <laughs> it might end up on a, co- a podcast and you might end up in family court. And that, that's our uh, Jerry Springer thought of the day. <laughs> that was Renee's thought of the day. Yeah. Jerry Springer still around? Find not, Jerry Springer. Where did he go? Send us what happened? Jerry Springer. Hashtag rabbit abuse. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit abuse. I'm putting an end to this um, because really uh, this show is going to be like five hours long now. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. But thanks for thanks for joining us. The website is www.daybreakends.com. You can get the album on iTunes. You can see him at the Viper Room this month. You can see him at the uh, Bar Sinister in October, where I had the pleasure of seeing them a couple weeks ago, and they poured the drink strong there. So watch out. Um, And we're gonna go out with a song. And thanks everybody for joining us. 